hard enough to get up and preach on Father's Day without your daughter singing a Father's Day song that she wrote. Uh, yeah. I'm going to pretend that didn't happen just now. Hmm. Uh, how many fathers do we have in here today? You guys hold your hands up. Wow. A lot of fathers. So... <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being our God. Thank you for the love that you have shown us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for being our God. Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, you would teach us today as fathers. Lord, speak to our hearts in the area that we need to be spoken to. I pray, God, that we would only hear the things that you want us to hear today. for your love for us and for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I'm, I'm going to stay out there during the second service until <laughs> that's done. <laughs> uh, oh, well, um, so in high school, I was really wise and I, yeah, yeah. I used to have conversations with uh, Charity in high school when we were friends about the future and spouses and children and those kinds of things. And uh, I used to say that I was going to have two children and they would be both boys. <laughs> and, that, and that if I ever had a girl, I would put her back. <laughs> So that's how wise I was. And then I ended up marrying Charity. And um, then uh, a couple years later, we had Miranda, our first daughter. And uh, so that ruined the only boys thing. And then uh, a couple years after that, a few years after that, God gave us twin girls. And that, ru- that ruined the two children thing and the only boys thing. And then he thought it would be great a few years later to give us another daughter. So. I have four daughters, uh, but you know I don't. Uh, I don't ever regret it or wish I would have had boys or anything like that. I don't. I don't think about those things. Um, you know, God gives us what we need, and He knows what we need. I don't know exactly why God would give me girls. The girls are kind of difficult to figure out. Uh, it took me long enough to try to figure out my wife, and then I have all these other girls I have to figure out. So. I think it's a lifelong process. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think I remember uh, Dave Holst. Uh, he knew that I thought Meredith was going to be a boy. And I th- seem to remember him laughing as she was delivered <laughs> when he was able to say it was another girl. So. Now, girls are great. Uh, I don't know what it's like to have boys, so you guys will have to help me with that someday. Uh, you're telling me how that works. Uh, so, 
parenthood, I, you know, is, is, I think, is parenthood something that just happens? Or is it just part of life? What are we supposed to do with these little people? I mean, they're little people, right? That they don't know anything when they're born. And, of course, every family that has a child thinks that their child, their newborn baby is the cutest newborn baby ever. Um, women think everybody's newborn baby is, the, is cute. Usually guys are, like, saying, really? They're not that cute. When they're first born, they get better. Uh, So Psalm 127, verse 3, says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Some days I don't know about the reward part, but I, you know, I know it's coming. And you know, today was one of those days. Some of your translations for that verse might say that children are a gift from the Lord, a heritage, a gift. Either way, this is not something that just happens. Uh, this is some. These are little people that God has chosen to give to us. Uh, they're not mistakes. Uh, They're not accidents. Maybe some of you couldn't have biological children of your own. Maybe God gave them biologically to someone else, but then through adoption or some other means has given them to you as a gift. Whatever the circumstances, if you have a child or children, they are given to you by God for a purpose. They've been entrusted to us. And God requires something of us to care for this gift. When we give gifts to someone, we give it to them with an intended purpose. You give them something that has been created by somebody for a specific purpose, and that's why you give it to them. And unlike earthly makers of products that we might give to people um, who are interested in selling it and getting the money for it, um, God is watching God cares. God commands that we do with our children exactly what he intended us to do with our children. So what does the Lord intend for us to do with the children he gives us? And more specifically, what are we as fathers to be doing? Of course, mothers are not to be minimized here. But God has given fathers and mothers different roles and responsibilities. Besides, you already had Mother's Day. Today's our day. (laughs) Uh, I've thought a lot about this sermon and it's it's been kind of difficult to think about and prepare what to say and and what verses to use I've looked at a lot of verses and trying to think how do I encourage fathers on Father's Day and what God has shown me in my preparation is not necessarily something that you might consider as is necessarily really encouraging and uplifting, you know. um, but it's it's more of a, a call and a reminder to us uh, of what we are to do. And God, this is something that I need to hear myself. Something that all of us as fathers, as Christian fathers, need to hear. Uh, and so we don't need a, a softball sermon that makes us feel good. We need to hear the truth about God and his word and what he wants us to do with our children. Uh, 
So the things that we'll talk about this morning will sound crazy to the unbelieving world. They won't make sense. But they should not sound crazy to us as believers, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. These things should not sound crazy. Let me start by saying that fatherhood for the man of God is serious. Fatherhood for the man of God is one of the most important things you will ever be tasked with. And being a godly father is a command from God. Unfortunately, too many Christian fathers have not understood this or have been unwilling to listen to God's way of doing things. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 4. So we know that children are a gift from God. We've established that already. They're a gift, a heritage from the Lord. So here in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, first of all, to the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So children are commanded by God to obey their parents because it's the right thing to do. They're told to honor their father and mother, that it may go well with them and they may live long in the land. Now this is, we notice here that it does include mothers, right? Children are to obey their mothers. Um, and this, and Paul reminds us here that this is, this is uh, the first commandment with a promise. <clears throat> God doesn't make this promise to the children of just any parents. He makes this promise to uh, those Parents who are godly parents, those parents who are followers of Christ. And, and Paul reminds us here that this commandment is nothing new either. And it's not just any commandment, but it's one of the Ten Commandments that children should obey their parents and honor their father and mother. <clears throat> and it's a reminder to us that the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected. God intends for the Old Testament to be used by us to learn from, just like the New Testament. There are many New Testament, many Old Testament um, references made in the New Testament. It is, they go together. One of them doesn't have the full story without the other one. You'll always find yourself asking questions. What does this mean? Why does it say this? I don't get it. You have to have both of them. Verse 2 in this Ephesians passage, uh, like I said, includes father and mother, but verse 4 gets specific to fathers, and it says that fathers should not provoke their children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How do we as fathers know what the discipline and instruction of the Lord is? Well, the only place we can find and know what that is is by studying the Word of God. That is where it comes from. That's where we get all of our information about being a godly father and what that means. So, fathers, we can see clearly here, God has given us a command. 
Children are a gift from him for a purpose. And part of that purpose is that we as fathers would train our children to love the Lord and to know his discipline and his instruction. Christian fathers need to be studying the word of God to grow and be properly equipped for this task. We will find it difficult to follow this command when we ourselves are not prepared properly properly to do it. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in a little bit. And since Paul thought it was important for us to refer back to the Old Testament, let's look back at that reference and see what else he has to say about fathers there. And so we'll go back to Deuteronomy in your Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're kind of kind of jump around a little bit here in Deuteronomy. Uh, there's, a, there's a few verses I want to touch on. But for the sake of time, I won't read this large passage here. So I'm going to start with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now this is after Moses has received the Ten Commandments, after he's given the commandments to the people, including the commandment we just read about in Ephesians, to the children to obey their parents, and that promise that it comes with. Okay, so Moses has done that. He has told this to the people. Now here in chapter 6, verse 1, he continues on. Verses 1 and 2. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, and your son and your son's son might keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Okay, now bump down to verse 4, 4 through 9. Moses continues, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So here Moses, through God, is commanding the people, and especially fathers, to remember who God is. Remember what God has done to teach their children these things so that their children can teach their children these things. And not only to teach them, but to teach them diligently. This is to be in the forefront. He talks about putting these things between your eyes. and It's so that the word of God is foremost. It's in the front. You're not going to forget it. It's when you are sitting down, when you're standing up, when you're lying down, in the morning, in the evening, It's always to be there. It's always to be part of our conversation in our families with our children. It is extremely important. And God says, let's see, did I go to the last one? Let me skip down to the last one. I missed it. Verses 20 through 21 in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, Moses continues here and says, When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? 
Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. That passage goes on more to describe all that God did for the Israelites. And it's, we're reminded several times here of the importance of telling our children who God is and what God has done. It is not something that we can let slide or not do. We are commanded to do it. It says there that we shall. Okay, we are commanded to do that. Proverbs 22, 6 says, tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Other scriptures tell us to teach our children to fear the Lord. We cannot escape the fact that God has given us children so that we can teach them about him. To, to do so, to teach our children about him, is to be obedient and to glorify God. So, so fathers, why, why is it our responsibility? Because God said so when he made us the head of the house. He made us the head of the family. Ephesians 5.23 says, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So this is something that is complete foolishness to the world. It's something that unbelieving people don't understand the thought that the man would be the head of the house is unbelievable, right? This is, but this is not the world standard that we go by. This is the word of God. This is what he says. It's how he's laid it down, and it's, it's not new. This is not a new thing. It's been going on since creation. It's always been God's way. When Eve was deceived in the garden, the Bible says Adam was there, so he was watching what was going on. Adam watched the serpent deceive his wife, and instead of stepping in to lead her and protect her from this deception, what did Adam do? And the guys that go to our breakfast, uh, where we're going through the uh, manhood series, know what that says. What Adam did was he just stood there. He just stood there and let it happen. He was passive. He did not intervene in this deception. And in fact, it's worse than that. He, the Bible says that he listened to his wife and he ate of the fruit and disobeyed the clear command of God not to eat of the fruit of that tree. So when God came calling in the garden and Adam and Eve were, were hiding, God came calling for Adam. Neither Adam or Eve escaped punishment in this sin, but God held Adam accountable for what happened. So this is not a new concept that um, the husband is the head of the household, the father is the head of the household. Now we don't, even as Christian men, always live up to that calling and that command. Uh, and that's played into what the world thinks about Christianity and what it thinks about Christian men. Does this mean that mothers have no need or ability to teach the children about God? Of course not. Absolutely not. But fathers, you can bet that God will hold us accountable for how we led or didn't lead our families. We are not meant to sit on the sidelines. And let our wives be the spiritual leaders of our family. You won't find that formula anywhere in scripture. Do we or do we not believe in the God of the Bible? 
as Christian fathers, we must decide what we believe. Turn with me again in your Bibles to Joshua. And last time I preached, I preached about Joshua and how Joshua had to be strong and courageous. So we'll go to Joshua 24. This is at the end of Joshua's life. Joshua has led the people of Israel into the promised land. They have had actually a time of rest that God had promised them. And near the end of his life, he's gathered all the people together to give them, basically to give them final instructions. As he knew his life was coming to an end. And so as is typical of what we just read from Moses, uh, talking to the people, and what we talked about last time I preached about Joshua, in that there's constant reminder of who God is. Constantly the leaders, the men of God, are reminding everyone who God is and what God has done. This life that we live here is meant to constantly remember God, who God is, and what he's done for us. And that's what was going on here. Joshua gathered them all together here in, in chapter 24. Starting in verse, I'm going to start in verse 14. Uh, but he's just finished telling them all these things. How God provided. How God went before them and destroyed their enemies. And gave them all these things. The land flowing with milk and honey. He reminds them that they didn't work for this. God gave it to them. The vineyards and everything that was there. They were already there. Planted by other people that God had due so that he could give it to his people. And so in verse 14, Joshua says, Now therefore, so because of all that, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <clears throat> so Joshua made a decision here. Joshua has led these people for a long time. And he's, he's made a decision here at the end of his life. He is going to again announce who God is and take a stand for who God is. There's no wavering here. There's no worrying about what other people will think or what he knows or what he doesn't know. This is something he knew exactly what to do. He knew that this was required of God, required of him by God, and he was going to do it. And whenever we as fathers, as men of God, Christian men, decide to be obedient to God and lead our families, we can expect attacks from Satan. We can expect Satan to show up with his lies. He knows our weak points. He knows our fears. He knows what frustrates us. And he will use every single thing he can to keep the man of God from being the man of God. You are meant to lead your family. You are meant to lead your family in studying the word of God and training your children. So I came up with a list of things, a list of lies that Satan might tell you. And many of these Satan has told me. So fathers, as you're listening to this list, think about it. Is it, is this, is some of these lies that Satan has told you? And maybe the lies that he's told you, I don't have on this list. I'm sure there are, there are many lies out there. 
So Satan might say things like, you're too tired. Been at work all day. You're too tired to read the Bible to the kids now. Or the kids don't like it. They're not interested. This is too awkward to gather the family together and try to do this. There's never enough time. That's a favorite one that Satan uses with me. The kids aren't even listening, so what's the point? I've felt that many times. (laughs) You don't know enough about the Bible, man of God. You don't know enough about the Bible. They're going to ask questions, and you won't have the answer. How embarrassing is that? They're teenagers. You can't start now. They will know that you messed up as a father. You blew it. Your kids have moved out. You can't start now. It's, it's kind of a small list, but Satan uses several of those on me when I try to initiate Bible study with my family. There's a lot of guilt out there for Christian fathers because we know what we should have done We know what we should have been doing. And we know that we haven't done it. And I'm not talking about any one person. This is what I need to hear as well. Whatever age your children are, it's not too late to start being the man of God that you were called to be. If you've blown it, confess it. Ask forgiveness. It's very difficult to sit and tell your kids that you haven't done what God has wanted you to do, but that you want to start doing it now and to ask for their forgiveness is a difficult thing. But we have to put our pride aside. We have to move forward. And I guarantee you, you'll blow it again. We need to learn how to apologize. We need to learn how to move on. Move on. There's really no time to waste. You can ask a father, ask a Christian father whose kids have already moved out how much time there is. Time flies by. Our society moves further and further away from the Lord, and the role of husband and father slowly gets confused, ignored, or forgotten. We cannot forget that God invented the family and how it is supposed to function and how it is supposed to work. Whose rules will we follow? Christian fathers, whose rules will we follow? It's so easy to follow the world's rules. The world lets us off the hook from our responsibility. We are not the world. We are not society. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we need to teach our children. There needs to be a sense of urgency among Christian fathers. We only have our children for a short time. And society and the world are bulldozing our children getting into their minds and their hearts. They're bombarded by images and quotes from actors and teachers and professors, friends, politicians, religious leaders online, things at school. This society is turning what is right and wrong totally upside down, totally going away from the word of God and what God intended and how God intended things to be. False teaching is making its way into our kids' minds and into the church because people have stopped studying the Word of God. 
And when Christian fathers stop teaching their children the word of God, they will turn their backs on God. Many Christian parents wonder why their children leave the church when they go off to college. And we know that this is, it's an epidemic among churched people, churched kids. Going to church isn't enough. and We have to teach our children at home and teach them to love the church. Why would we expect a kid who we never had sit through a sermon with us uh, on Sundays, why would we expect them to go away to college and now start sitting through a service somewhere and listening to somebody preach the word of God? They, they won't do it when they move out. We have to teach it as valuable and necessary as part of the Christian life. It has to be something that's important to us that we teach them about. And back in the, the passage in Joshua, if you continue on, we're told that all of Israel followed the Lord after Joshua made that statement and Joshua continued to lead them before he died. All of Israel followed the Lord. And when, when Joshua led them in obedience to God, they were successful. But it wasn't long after Joshua died that fathers stopped teaching their children, like Joshua said. Fathers stopped reminding their children who God was and living like God wanted them to live. And when we stop teaching our children, when we stop teaching ourselves through God's word, we begin to look at other places. Other things begin to be appealing to us. The things that the world says are important and appealing begin to look that way to us because we forget the Lord, our God, and we start worshiping idols and other false gods. In order to keep the things of the world in our time from creeping in, we must teach our children to love Jesus and to love the gospel of Jesus Christ and to love the word of God, to love prayer, and to love the church. And fathers, we ourselves need to remember our Lord. And we are responsible to teach our children so that they can teach their children and although pastors play a vital role within the church and in encouraging us and building us up and shepherding us, it is not the pastor's job to raise our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That command was given to us by God as Christian fathers. And although <clears throat> these things are hard to hear and they're hard to hear for me as well, because I know where I've failed. I know where I've blown it. We just have to decide, what are we going to do? Are we going to follow God? Are we going to be like Adam? And are we going to just stand there while our kids are bombarded with all these things and hope that going to church every once in a while will have something sink in enough to where they will continue to follow the Lord? I don't think we have the luxury of just standing there like Adam. And in fact, we are sinning when we don't follow God's command to teach our children. We follow society and we spend much time making sure our kids get to all of their sports stuff and get into good schools and prepare them for success in the world. And we protect them from physical harm. We don't hesitate to do those things. The world says those are important, but we ignore what God says is important. 
These things that I mentioned are not sinful things, soccer and all those things. They're not sinful things. But when we ignore God's command to do those things, that is sinful. His command is more important than any single thing that the world says is important. We, the church, are not the world. We are called to be different. Our children need us to teach them. And fathers, if you have to learn the word of God with your children, so be it. If one of those lies that Satan tells you is you don't know enough or I don't have the ability to teach them, so it's embarrassing. I don't want to, what if I make a mistake? Those are lies from Satan to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. You don't have to be a theologian to read your Bible. It's not embarrassing to read your Bible with your children. And, and maybe you, neither one of you know exactly what it means at the moment, but that's what Bible study is called. You say to your children, I don't have the answer to that yet, but I'm going to study it, and we'll find it, and we'll find it together. How special would that be? We can help each other with this, too. We can encourage each other as men of God, as fathers, to follow God's command to teach our children. And this isn't a moment for wives and mothers to be elbowing and <laughs> those kinds of things that you might think about doing. Men of God and fathers, Christian fathers, need godly women. their side and praise God for godly women we men if our, our children are grown and out of the house or maybe we never had children does that mean you have no role in the lives of children within the church there are children who come to our church that don't have godly parents that have parents that aren't interested and there are men in this church that take the time to teach these children. They're not their children, but they take time to teach them about God here in this church. It's, it's a great thing that our church does and that those men do. And they may not even have children of their own. Or maybe their children have moved out. What about grandchildren? Just because you're an experienced adult, an older person, it doesn't mean you're finished sharing the word of God. Joshua was 110 years old. Okay? You're never finished sharing the word of God with others, with your children, with your grandchildren, anybody that you can invest in and tell about the Lord. If you're a Christian, you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you don't know everything in Scripture, join the club. We don't know everything in scripture. But even sharing your testimony with someone about how God has changed your life through the death of Jesus Christ can be an encouragement to them. The book of 3 John, John says he has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth.
talk about a reward. Christian men, godly men, want their children to know and love Jesus Christ. We have to teach them. The world will not teach them. They won't get all that they need just from going to church on Sunday. We have a responsibility to our children. We have a responsibility to our wives. We have a command from God. And although it's difficult, don't believe Satan's lies. Don't let him have that victory. God has not asked you to do something that you cannot do. He's not given you something impossible. He will give you the strength to do what you need to do. And you can start simple. Just a few verses with your children. Spend time with your wife. Just read a few verses. Pray together. God will teach you as you go along. He will teach your children. And when your children grow up and are old, they will not depart from it. They will remember, my dad taught me the word of God. So, although it's a heavy topic, a heavy subject, I find this encouraging as a Christian man, as a father. I find this encouraging because I know that other fathers out here are struggling. And, and these lies are real to many of you. And the difficulties and the embarrassment is real to many of you. But trust God. Trust his word. He will be faithful. So whatever God might be working on in your heart right now, whatever he might be telling you, just be open to confess to him your failure and your sin. God will, God will forgive. And God can help you move forward. Other Christian men can help you move forward. We can gain strength from each other as we share with each other our struggles. Find one or two Christian men that you can trust, that you can confide in, that you can come to and say, I blew it here. What should I do? Can you help me? Even if that's, you don't want to say just praying. Praying is extremely important among believers. So are we teaching our children to follow the Lord? Do they know who Jesus Christ is? What Jesus Christ did? Do they know even what that meant in our life? That's our responsibility to tell them. I thank God for his word and for how he teaches us. And we thank God for the gift of children that he's given us. It is a gift. So listen to the Lord and what he's, what he's telling you in your heart. I'm going to come stand down here and be, be willing to pray with anybody who wants to come up and, and, and have prayer for, for anything. But listen to God either way. And let's be obedient to the command of God to lead our children, lead our families in his ways. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for being our God. We thank you for your command. And we recognize, God, this is such a difficult thing in our society who doesn't agree. But, Lord, I pray you would impress upon the hearts and minds of all the fathers in here 
that this is so much more important than any possible embarrassment that there could be. You are so much more important. When we honor you by being obedient to your command, it glorifies you. When we raise godly children that go out and marry godly spouses and raise their own godly children, this glorifies you. And you are worthy to be praised and glorified. We thank you for Jesus Christ, for his death on the cross, for this debt that we could not pay. Without that, we would be nothing. Give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus Christ, in his name, we